Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And this week, I'm going to be talking all things Litha, or Letha. And it's going to be a lit Litha, or a light Letha, uh, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Litha, Litha, Letha. But also known as Midsummer. And a uh, fun fact on that one, me and Shannon actually spent a good portion of of the intro to this recording session, um, going over all the different ways to pronounce it. But for this episode, we're going to be going with Litha. Yeah, I think that Litha is good. Lit Litha. Lit Litha. Um, and I'm going to be discussing the much easier to pronounce uh, Elder <laughs> mm. and the goddess Anya. Anya. But so... Diving into this week's topic, for me, is the upcoming Litha Sabbath, also known in parts of the world as Midsummer. So, And I just, I have to say, I love Midsummer. Like, Litha, 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 Litha for the podcast episode purposes, for sure. You know, if we would have gotten the rights, we, we should have done the, like, Liza Minnelli song, where she's like, it's Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S, but, uh, like, right. rewritten it for... It's Litha with a, you know. Uh, speaking of like, um, speaking of that song, have you heard Saoirse Ronan's version of it? Because it's hilarious. Uh, well, because she's not Liza Minnelli, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, no, yeah, are you so, talking, about, are you talking about the, the, the one for, uh, that she did for SNL? Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Um, very funny. I I feel like, this is a great way to start off the episode because I feel like this is very much where both of us are today in Rabbit Trail Central. <laughs> we, um, we're very much in Rabbit Trail Central. <laughs> and honestly, so I wrote uh, my Sabbath report, so to speak, uh, in five different sittings. <laughs> so uh, I think it's fun. But I was, I was, there's all a lot of was... circling back, uh, yes. just forewarning. <laughs> Yeah, and all of that I was just saying earlier, um, no matter how you pronounce it, I just feel like Midsummer is such a cool, sexier name than any of the others. It really is, because it's like, but it's funny, because as a Texan, I'm like, <laughs> Midsummer in June? Less right. likely than you think. <laughs> I mean, in LA, real summer happens in September, so. Right, I mean, uh, again, Midsummer being in June in Texas, no, <laughs> cute. But okay, so we gotta we gotta dig in, you guys. So this is the time of year when we can celebrate by becoming the May Queen, jumping off a cliff if you've reached the age of seventy two, um, choosing your awful boyfriend to be sewn into a bearskin and burned alive in a barn with some other villagers while you look on in fervent glee. Oh my god, uh, I have some candidates. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, wait, that's the movie. I'm so sorry. We're not talking about the movie? Shit. Okay. Uh, the boyfriend character did have it coming, though. I so, mean, don't they often? I, I mean, that one especially. But <laughs> what is true about Litha is that it's usually held on or very, very near the summer solstice. June 24th this year, uh, if you're keeping track at home. 
And it is one of the sabbats making up the modern pagan wheel of the year. So we've got a lovely wheel. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, so the solstice is the longest day and the shortest night of the year in the northern hemisphere. And conveniently enough, uh, it's also the winter solstice on the south side of the planet where many upside down neo-pagans have started celebrating Yule around this time. <laughs> A good friend of mine lives in Australia now, and it is just delightful watching her on like videos with her baby walking around in coats. Right. And I'm up here in upside the Northern down. Hemisphere. Like, they're like, they're wow. upside down compared to us. So they're just like, you know, they look down and the, the sky is there. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but so the classic Celtic. Germanic Scandinavian celebrations of Litha uh, relied heavily on some imagery, much like Beltane, but on steroids. So kind of the idea with this particular Sabbath is Beltane is like planting the seeds. This is like the full bloom season. Mm-hmm. It's the it's sexiest season. It's very, very sexy. But it's like all those little seeds you plant... The beginning of spring are like in full just fertility and also it's it's flower time it's flower time you guys how fun is that um but yeah so it's a lot like beltane you've got the classics you've got hilltop bonfires if you're if you're a celt uh <laughs> which you know that's kind of where a lot of the modern Wiccans draw their mythology from. So sorry, Germanic and Scandinavian midsummer festivals. We're not talking about those. But uh, so we've got hilltop bonfires, visiting sacred wells, having bonfires there. Uh, also, similar to Beltane, but maybe even more so, hand fastings. Like this is time to get married. Or, or were... practice married for a year if you're getting hand fast, which I I like that practice. Indeed. Um, <laughs> and, you know, observing the passage of the sun at sites like Stonehenge and other solar aligned structures like passage tombs, which we've yeah. mentioned these before. You know, you find these kind of all over the Celtic world. They're like set up to where the rocks line up with the sunrise or the sunset on certain days uh and it's yeah. and if you touch the rock you'll fall through time and end up with a, a dreamy highlander husband right uh that's outlander right <laughs> it is outlander uh not quite but i mean <laughs> you know that's kind of how we know that that's when these sites were visited is because it's like oh it lines up with this day and it takes a really long time for the sun to change positions of where it rises on the solstice. So, uh, And if you guys are interested in learning uh, more about that, there's so much more to it if you get into like ley lines and learning about those. And sites like Stonehenge are very important in that. So if, if you're ever interested in doing a little like digging ley lines, fascinating topic. Yeah. Right, but it's like, yeah, the sun uh, does not move, you know, it's, it's, it still rises in the same place on the solstice. Yep. More or less, pretty close, 99%. Uh, but so, yes, <laughs> even though it's June, and even though some people would do this at Beltane as well, 
And you could also, if you were celebrating a traditional Celtic litha celebration, uh, you might have a maypole dance. Who doesn't love a maypole dance, though? Uh, you know, honestly, side note here, for the love of the gods, uh, please send us pictures of your mo- maypoles if you're doing one for litha. Uh, I, I live in an apartment. And I am a singleton of the highest degree. And my roommate will absolutely not let me do a maypole with my cats in the apartment. So. (laughs) Okay. But like side story, where is our like Etsy witch who's going to make us maypole cat trees for next year? Um, Also, yes. If you are an Etsy witch and you would like to make a cat maypole, that also doubles as a cat scratcher or a cat tree. Uh, that you can continue to use. Please hit us up. You know, maybe maybe this is like the the sponsored content that's finally going to break Wands and Fronds through into the commercial realm. I think so. And also, clearly, Etsy Witch that makes these amazing things. You already have like two customers here, so like right. hit us up. Right, cat maples <laughs> coming twenty twenty two. I digress. Uh, this was also a time when people actually would wear flower crowns because the sun is at its peak energy the land is covered in flowers everything's flowering it's pretty and don't you really feel pretty when you're like wearing a flowers in your hair i mean i mean i don't, I don't think you cannot feel pretty with a flower crown i i really i would have a hard time believing that someone didn't feel pretty while well, wearing. i a think it's crown. against the law Right. Um, but you know, so it wasn't all like frolicking and feasting, though. Like while Beltane tends to have sort of like a very, very light and romantic tone being like the beginning of spring, you're like setting the intentions for for early spring. And it's like you're coming out of winter and it's all like light and love and all of that. You know, like that has a certain edge to it. And so, like, while we're frolicking and feasting and having a bonfire, we're we're also reminded that the sun, being in his peak power on this day, means that he's about to start waning. So we're reminded that, as always, fall is coming to drag us down into a slower pace of life and, like, the leaner winter months to follow after the harvest. Like, you know, kind of what goes up must come down. So there's like a there's like a frantic edge to this Sabbath that is not really there. I mean, it's like there's a there's energy at Beltane because it's like the beginning of spring, but it's like there's this frantic energy here that's like just like the peak of summer. It's like almost apocalyptic. It's like the the party the party at the end of the world. But it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the end of the world. It feels like um, it always kind of makes me think of like the top of like that first hill in a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's very much like like debauch while you can before you have to tackle like the serious work of the harvest and all of the darkness that follows that. You know, it's like this is like peak time to like get it out of your system. It's like it's like the giant. It's like a giant like bachelor slash bachelorette party for the year. Right. Uh, but but it is fun. Yeah. It's a serious Sabbath, but fun is part of it. And so I actually think it was very serendipitous that we just talked about magical joy in episode 31. 
because like yellows and reds and oranges and fiery things are like all the rage for your litha altars and such. Uh, but before we pivot and talk about ways that you as a modern witch can get into the spirit, I have a huge surprise for you all. So we've been talking about litha, midsummer. It's been a part of the Northern European calendar for literally centuries, like a millennium worth of centuries, just to be clear. A long time. Uh, at least. Like, at least. You know. Um, and so, yes, it existed well before Christianity, which is super neat. Uh, but can we guess what happened when the Christian religion started making its way into the Celtic, Germanic, and Scandinavian parts of Europe? What? Uh, they stole it. That's right. Oh my god, wait, Christians stole something? Yes, you heard no, that correctly. No, surely not, no. No, Christians saw a super popular pagan holiday and said, that is mine now. And so now there's a cool new holiday. Uh, the Feast of St. John the Baptist, which is conveniently also on June 24th. How about that? Wow. You know uh, what else is June 24th? Mm -hmm. Willow's Adoptiversary. Wow. I mean... That's a way better way to celebrate than, uh, okay. So the thing with the, the reason they picked that date is because it's almost exactly six months before Christmas. Um, so if you're a workaholics fan, that's like half Christmas. That's when you're supposed to have it. Um, Ooh, nice. But since they made up the holiday that is Jesus's birthday, because actually, I mean, if you look at what, the supposed planetary alignments that made up the North Star were like Jesus's birthday was like in February. I thought, like, yeah, I've heard February and I've also heard, I think, August. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, <laughs> Jesus is either a Pisces or a Virgo. Or he's me. Right. Because I'm a Virgo Pisces, but guys, I think I'm Jesus. Right, right, right. Uh, Don't call the cops on me. I'm kidding. No, I haven't no. had a, a mental break. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, you might be, but... Why not uh, both? Why? Um, it was like the killer said, he doesn't look a thing like Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, but okay. Can we guess how they celebrate this completely original holiday? Hmm... Would it be by doing, like, the exact same things that pagans do? So if you guessed by gathering flowers to be blessed, visiting streams, having gatherings with family, and hosting bonfires, you would be correct. Uh, and I know many of you will need a moment to process this, and that's fine. So go ahead and pause here for, like, a very dramatic temple massage and a deep breath. Uh, we'll, we'll just give you a moment, Okay. Uh, and I have but, to say, this is, like, clearly this is, like, stolen because this doesn't actually align with fucking anything in other Christian holidays. Right. Um, like, gathering flowers to be blessed. Yeah. By a but, priest. Yeah, like, uh? mm. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, it's like they steal everything. But some some of the things catch on more than others. You know, the, the St. John's Feasting Holiday obviously was not as much of a thing in the English-speaking world later on. Yeah. So it stuck around in, like, Scandinavia and Germany. But, I mean, they're, they're not doing Midsummer in England. 
They're not doing yeah. Midsummer in America. But I, we're bringing I, it back. We're bringing it back because we're pagans. And that's what, yeah. we're, that's what that's our vibe. But <laughs> uh, but OK, so I know many of you are like taking a moment to process, but we have to move on. And it's not all bad news. In Sweden, traditional midsummer celebrations are so popular that there is a very large movement to make midsummer like the national holiday. So in this particular case, the Christians were not super successful with stealing a holiday and making a new holiday. People kept celebrating the OG holiday because it's honestly, I mean, you know, it's like Christmas being Yule or it's like Easter being Ostara. It's like, uh, sure, we're going to do the same things at the same time of the year. But with this one, they were like, this is like a party holiday anyway. Fuck you. Yeah, it's kind of like, can you please get your religion out of my party day? Right. Uh, <laughs> so, which kind of brings me around to how we, as modern witches, are going to be celebrating this Sabbath. So, first things first, we're decorating your altar. And again, it's really no surprise that a lot of this mirrors what we do at Beltane, since these summer Sabbaths really have a lot in common. Um, you know, it's like, again, the seed and the fruit, or the seed and the flower. Uh, so since this Sabbath is all about the sun being at its peak and we're in full glorious bloom, we're doing like sunflowers, we're doing yellow roses. You can do St. John's wort flowers because they are in season if you're in an area where they grow and also just to stick it to the Christians. <laughs> um, we're also thinking like honeysuckle and wisteria. Because these are also, like, very good, like, June, July time summer flowers. But I was also thinking, like, hibiscus would do well here. There's Ooh, a lot yeah. of, like, red, yellow, and orange hibiscus variants. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking just, I mean, you know, just kind of looking around me this time of year and, like, seeing what's out. Magnolia blossoms, I think, would look nice. On a, mm. on a litha altar, on, a, on your little midsummer, you know, your little coronet of flowers. Like, I've seen some I mean, very lovely magnolia blossoms recently. And also, they're not toxic to humans or animals. Yeah, I was also going to say, I mean, just like the common dandelion. Yeah, dandelions are out. Like, I've, seen some, everywhere. I've seen some lilies around. Yeah. You know, I mean... Yeah, work with what you got. Work with what you got. There's a lot of great flowers out this time of year. And, you know, so also this is the time of year. So if you're kind of follow like the wheel of the year, this is like Oak King time. So we talk about the Holly King being in charge of the dark time of the year, right? So this is like Oak King days. So... Mm -hmm. Oak King is at his full and glorious peak. So including oak leaves in your flower crowns and potentially doing an offering of acorns on your altar is just going to be like, you know. Love it. But also with all these blooms around, it is a surprise to absolutely nobody that honey is in season right now. And so all you kitchen witches who were laying down like a litha feast be sure to use some honey in your cakes and breads. And like and, big shout out to local farmers. If you have a farmer's market nearby, like 
getting honey from actual like honey farmers is so much better. Like natural beekeeper honey. Just oh, for sure. Do I, yourself I always, a favor. <laughs> I always go for the good flow. Mm, yeah. Here in Austin. Because and it's like it's it might even be one of those like placebo effect things, but I really do feel like it helps with my allergies too to do oh, like no. the raw the raw local honey. It totally does. But yeah, I think um I I get a lot of local honey and the last time I went to the farmers market, I got some um some sage honey, but like from a local vendor, you know, not from like Whole Foods and stuff. And it's really good. Like you can taste the sage in it. So yeah, you could even get like a fun honey with a good flower for Litha if you're like one of those crazy people like me that likes to go find obscure things for sabbats because what what else are you going to do? <laughs> what, I, what else are you going to do? I mean, a lot of people still are not vaccinated yet, people. We really should be spending a lot of quiet time at home right now. Um, yeah, that's fair. I guess if you're not vaccinated. But if you are vaccinated, go buy some honey. I, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, I I was just saying. You know, it's like uh, we're we're not fully fully there yet. You know, be careful. Uh, but so I think for all the merrymakers out there, you know, who are planning on gathering around a bonfire, don't you think mead would absolutely be a welcome addition to those festivities? Oh yeah. So it's like honey is seasonal. I mean, I mean, bees do make honey after the summer i mean if there's flowers available they're going to keep doing it but it's like with all of the flowers i was also going to say you know there's like very lovely yellow and red poppies this time of year that are available to a lot of people well and if you're in california the the california orange poppy i mean it's like and it fits the color scheme so well you know mm-hmm. it's like we're, we're, we're leaning into these fiery colors I, I'm digressing. It's like all I'm thinking about is flowers, though. It's like I I wrote this this segment and I'm like, wow, I just want to make a flower crown. That's like all I want to do. <laughs> um, but OK, so mead, obviously. But if you're sober, I think, you know, we should give a shout out to sober people because I feel like we I talk about wine and we talk about like smoking weed. And it's like for the sober people out there. A fun thing for you guys to do for midsummer, because it is the longest day, is to make some sun tea. Mm. Fresh hibiscus. I mean, if you if you have a bush that's blooming early, I know we've had a lot of rain in Texas, so I have seen some hibiscuses that are ready to burst, and they should be ready uh, by midsummer. Um, fresh hibiscus. We're talking lemon balm. We're talking calendula. Like, get get you some, like, fiery, colorful shit in there. But make a little sun tea, and then you can have that instead of mead. Oh, yeah. You could even put some honey- lemon balm in there, because yeah. lemon balm's, like, an amazingly delicious summer thing that's also good for you with some calendula. Yeah. You could throw that some honey so in there, too. You could just throw some, like, fresh honey in there, too. Mm, um, yum. But no. So... Also, in the spirit of the season, so we're talking, we're talking flowers, we're talking honey. This is also an especially auspicious time to do love and beauty magic. So the mm. idea here being that the land is at its peak of beauty and fertility, and so you might be as well. Uh, and while we here at Wands and Fronds don't recommend fucking with love magic, 
full stop, period. Uh, I say have at the beauty spells. There's a lot of good beauty spells out there. Oh, yeah. You know, you can bless like a honey sugar scrub for your face. You know, you can do a cleanse with some enchanted full moon water. And, you know, something to think about here is that the moon gets all of its radiance from the sun, which is at its peak right now. So whatever the closest full moon that you have the time for it is would be a great time to make some moon water. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a great idea. And so if the full moon gets all of its radiance from the sun, maybe you could borrow some, you know. Oh, yeah. And I also wanted to plug, I, I made this great face mask that could be perfect for some, you know, litha beauty magic. It's a, a face mask made with like local honey, turmeric, and calendula. So it also looks like a really beautiful gold when you put it on. So that could be a great beauty like treat yourself to do on litha and you know rose water is great for your skin too so Mm -hmm. like roses are in season you know there's a lot of great like foraging i i just started following uh black forager on instagram which i'm recommending to everyone uh big shout out yeah she's delightful very delightful also has like a very nice uh rose water recipe so you can make a little rose water um don't let those roses go to waste. You know, there's people put roses everywhere as part of the landscaping. But if you know they're not spraying it with pesticides, you could make some rose water from it. Yeah. But circling back. So this is an incredibly busy time of year for bees, obviously, as we discussed. So I wanted to do a little throwback to our section on the Fae. And also our Midsummer Night Magic episode sort of in general and uh so there's a reason that shakespeare wrote midsummer night's dream to be set around midsummer and that is because of the trooping fairies do you know about the trooping fairies shannon i do indeed (laughs) okay so for everyone out there that does not know in celtic mythology as so beautifully depicted in poetry by yeats there's two kinds of fairies So there's like the singular mischief makers and the troops of fairies. So the troops of fairies, uh, if you're sort of more familiar with fairy tales, are the ones that that have little little dances and make fairy paths and fairy rings and, and all of the great fairy things that are part of the overall mythology. Uh but midsummer is when you have the trooping fairies. So this is kind of a time to like be aware of venturing out into morning fog. And so Shannon, for you, especially, I was saying you live in a Fey hot spot that yeah. does get morning fog. Check so it feels check. especially <laughs> important to be mindful of wandering off into the fog because you might find yourself uh, in the other world, which would be a lot to deal with um but yeah, also i feel like the problem is now i just want it too much so they won't take me but if y'all don't <laughs> hear from me after litha you right. know what happened <laughs> uh but also i feel like the labrea tar pits might be a fey trap i'm pretty sure the labrea tar pits are full of all sorts of weird magical creatures um but no so don't wander off into the fog. Also, if you hear the sounds of a party this time of year, 
like around a corner or like in the middle of nowhere where there's just no way that people are having a party like just fuck right off like nope your way out of there uh also if you find delicious food that seems unbothered and tempting but sort of shows up out of nowhere that's right people fuck off leave it alone yeah Uh, because like don't don't crab and goyle eating mystery cupcakes mm -hmm. don't do it hovering cupcakes at that right it's like best case you're gonna get knocked out with some sort of potion worst case it's fairy food you belong to them now right also like two days ago i went out to billy's uh which is a bar that i go to sometimes and there was just a completely undisturbed plate of chili cheese fries oh, on a no. table outside. They're getting not clever. being bothered by the flies. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's no, no, a no. trap. That is at I fucked right off and I left <laughs> it alone. Yep. Uh so, but if you feel comfortable with and like working with the Fae, this would be a great time of year. To freshen up your fairy garden or your other offerings to the Fae, I know Shannon has some lovely wind chimey kind of uh, situations, like a mo- mobile, mobile. Yeah, uh, is it probably like crystal mobile. I'm like Mobile, Alabama. That's <laughs> not right. It's a mobile. Well, now we've said it too much, so the word has lost meaning, but I do have, um, I, yeah, I have two crystal mobiles out on my back porch and a wind chime. Uh, fairies love shiny things. So yeah, it would be a great time to go out and like clean it and make sure everything is like freshened up. Yeah, because I mean, again, you, you could have the fairy troops coming through this time of year. Uh, I would even go so far as to say that while you're making flower crowns, make a big one. And, like, leave it out, especially under an oak tree, as, like, a fairy ring for your local spirits. I love that. Kind of, like, a nice alternative to decorating an oak tree with ribbons and flowers. You know, leave out a fairy ring for the fairies. Um, Just a thought. It's just a thought, you know. It's a great thought, though. I really do love that. It makes me want to leave one out by... um, like around the tree that I love in front of my house. And plus like a flower crown is something that's not going to be bad for the environment. And that's, I love that. I love that idea. And yeah, you know, since like all of fairy lore is all about, you know, they leave rings of mushrooms. And if you see like a ring of tall grass or like a ring of stones, a flower crown is just a ring of flowers. So, you know, do the fucking math. I'm not here to tell you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but since so many of you guys are obviously green witches, uh, just based on like the stuff that we get written into us, um, I'm going to finish my section on Litha with some very good advice from www.sacredwicca.com, which is uh, that this is a great time to be gathering your herbs and flowers for the whole year ahead for crafting because the power is at its peak. You know, the sun's at its peak. All of the blooms and things are at their peak. The land is so powerful. If you're gathering herbs, it would follow that the herbs are at their peak as well. Um, So in like the two or so days leading up to the solstice, I would say. Yeah. Take some time. Take some time to do some foraging 
and or picking. I mean, I know I know you grow plenty of stuff, Shannon, because you actually have for someone who doesn't technically have a yard, quite a bit of growing space. But you know, I, I for do. for yeah. all you patio bitches who have to go walking around, take some time to go forage in the couple of days before the solstice. Uh, and of course, following the appropriate safety guidelines. For instance, you know, don't pick things if you don't know if they've been sprayed with pesticides or not, especially if it's something you're going to ingest, you know. And the general advice like is like at least 50 feet away from a roadway, you know, there's lots of like good advice online. But they even have on that website, www.sacredwicked.com, uh, a little spell to do while you're out foraging for herbs and flowers, which I'm like, this is the time of year where you totally would be doing that. So I was like, I don't know this website. I'm including it. It's a simple one. So you repeat it three times when you set about the work of gathering, you know, kind of when you're going out, you're going out into the woods, wherever you're going. Um, and then you say it three times over your collected herbs and flowers. So the incantation, again, very simple. Uh, herbs of magic, herbs of power, root and bark, leaf and flower. Work for me when charms are spoken, potions brewed, and curses broken. Very lovely. Uh, very, sh very short. You say it three times. You got time for that. You definitely do. So, oh, yeah. Um, and that's really all I have for Midsummer. Litha, whatever. Except to add that considering the huge droughts in the American Southwest, uh, you know, please be kind to the bees. We talked about the bees, but don't over-harvest the flowers to be doing doing witchcraft. They need them more than you. So, uh, yeah. Also, kind of a repeat here, but it wouldn't kill you if you are one of those people who do fairy gardens to have an insect waterer for all the bees and the butterflies. It's basically a plate of water with marbles in it. So everyone has a nice place to land while they drink. Um, because that's, you know, that's what we should be doing as witches as well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do like this, um, the suggestion about foraging. Cause something I was going to say is since, since Litha, you know, is all about the sun, but I think it's on, I think it might be the 20, it's the 21st or the 24th, but it's, it's during the week this year. So sort of my game plan is, you know, to go out really early in the morning um, when the sun's coming up, I'll stay in a little longer if there's fog, but we're, I think we're pretty, pretty well out of that season, but going out, I think like with the sunrise and like blessing your watering can and like watering your plants and stuff, because, you know, early morning during the hot time of the year is the best time to water things outside. So like going out early in the morning and watering everything with blessed water. And then about mid morning before the sun peaks, once everything's like still had time to dry off, that's the perfect time to go and like pick your own herbs and stuff because you don't want it to be too hot when you harvest your own stuff. I mean, or even when you're foraging because there's less water in the plants, but that's sort of my fun little game plan for Litha. That's not really going to get in the way of my like regular work schedule either. So, you know, feel free to like take any of that and make it your own too. And, um, just as kind of a follow-up to the Litha section, 
we're talking about something for our questionable witchy practices segment, uh, which is, I mean, everyone that's listening is expecting this from me and Shannon. But so for this week's QWP, I wanted to once again discourage people from doing any kind of cultural appropriation for their solstice celebrations. Uh, in doing my research about Litha and Midsummer, I saw quite a few mentions of Native American sun dances Ugh. being part of the North American solstice celebrations. And while it is always fun to learn about other cultures, we definitely should not be attempting to do any of these very sacred rituals, unless, of course, you're an actual Native American. Uh, then have at it. You know, I, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, but of course, Midsummer brings to mind like flower crowns and like flowy Ren Fair dresses, which is very cool and fun. But there's the other Coachella girl, the one who's in full name of regalia, ruining things by being awful and out of touch. Uh, so don't be her. Does that, you know, is it? Yeah. So for clarity, it does not work the other way around. And I would say everyone steal as much culture from white people as you want to. Uh, I think if a witch of color wants to do a full traditional Swedish midsummer, then have at it. Because uh, the whole thing is like the, the history. The very, very long, yeah. long, long, very, very problematic history of white people culturally appropriating things uh, is, is sort of why we just can't. We, we just can't. We cannot... Uh, we have to know the difference. We have to call out, we have to call out our, our white people, witch friends when they yeah. do shit like this. Yeah. And guys, it's like in the age of the internet, there's just no excuse for not knowing better anymore. Like you right. just, people just have to do better and we have to hold each other accountable because it's, it can't be the job of witches of color to always be the ones like getting after these problems like it shouldn't nope. be their job abs and it's like yeah it's like you need to you need to call out your white friends who yep. are practicing witchcraft when they culturally appropriate practices uh yeah and us too just, if we ever say something that's like yeah that we're you know of course we're not gonna be doing it intentionally but intention doesn't matter the impact matters so we definitely want to hear from y'all too if we fuck up but also i would say you know it's like if you get invited by a friend who is a Native American, and they encourage you to dress up to respect the gravity of the ceremony that you're taking part in, then that is appreciation. Yeah. Anything outside of that context, don't fucking do it. All right. Yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well... In, in kind of a, a very sharp turn. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking Ooh. about a plant, <laughs> right? It's like, um, I'm going to be talking about a plant that I think most witches are probably familiar with, at least in name, um, and that's elder or Sambucus. Um, and Sambucus is a genus of flowering plants, and they're in the Adoxaceae family. And even if you aren't familiar with like elder the like tree shrub you probably at least know about elderberry in particular after like the whole pandemic um since the little berries can help like boost immune function i feel like everywhere that sold elderberry syrup or any sort of like elderberry like supplements was totally bought out at the beginning of covid um so you know you've probably at least heard of it there 
Uh, and the genus was formerly in the honeysuckle family, but they have been reclassified. And that's based on them discovering some like genetic similarities to other plants in the Adoxa genus. So, you know, just to like put that out there in case anybody was like, but I thought they were honeysuckle. Uh, no. <laughs> so the common elder is the one that most of us um, will like see and use. And it's, I think, probably the one that if you've ever seen them in person is probably this one. It's the Sambucus nigra. Um, and it's like a cute little shrub or a small tree with these like precious tiny white flowers in early summer. And then they get these like plump black berries when they start fruiting. And the foliage is also super pretty. It's really, really dark green, but they also have some varieties with leaves that are like almost black, which I am here for. I actually like am obsessed with black, uh, with black plants. I have this really cute crepe myrtle, um, that is, it's like a hybrid crepe myrtle and it's got really dark black leaves and then the flowers are red. So I was very excited to find out that I could also maybe get an elderberry with black leaves. Um, I just, I, I really like the idea that at some point you're going to have like a little, like a little Morticia Adams garden where like I know. everything is dressed <laughs> in black. Or poisonous. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. My Datura is getting big. It's not flowered yet, but the vines are reaching. So it will come. Um, but there's so many uses for, you know, the the berries and the flowers of elder. I mean, you can use the flowers to infuse like syrups. I mean, cordial and of course, gin. Um, and elderberries can also be used for like syrups. And some people also make wine out of them, which is really cool. So it you, is quite you know, like... You know why that is, right? Actually, with the hmm. elderberries. What? Um, the, the elderberries are very prone to growing natural yeast on them. Oh, I didn't know that. So you can actually kickstart a bit of your fermentation um, when you see the little white residue on elderberries. Yeah. Uh, you also will see it on um, especially dark grapes like Concord grapes or just like red grapes. You'll see that because the skin is so dark, you'll see that little patina of like a mm -hmm. white dust. And that's, that's the natural yeast. So if you are uh, making wine with elderberries... And you see that little bit of um, sort of a white, powdery, yeah, it's, it's yeast. Yeast. I love it's that. Yeast. They're yeasty in a good way. <laughs> yeasty AF. Well, you'll see these like delightful yeasty fruit bearing shrubs. Um, a lot of times you'll see them in like hedgerows. And they're a really good choice if you're also looking for a plant to add to like, you know, like a border or even... I think like if you're doing a cottage core planting scheme, I think some elder like some elder bushes would be great with something like um hollyhock, you know, if you want to get like get your cottage core on. Um and bees do love like the flowers of the elder and the fruit also attracts birds, so you can like live out your full-blown like snow white fantasies with some elder. Um, and if you're growing it at home, it actually is pretty adaptable. So you can grow it in full sun. Or in partial shade, which isn't the case for a lot of plants. Um, most plants can't go from full sun to like really not that much. But thanks, Sambucus. And surprisingly enough, y'all, it wants free-draining soil. I, I swear, one of these days we are going to come across a plant that wants something like stodgy. But today is just not that day. 
Um, so if you want to keep your plant shrubby, you're going to want to cut it back pretty hard in the spring. Um, or you can just like let it go free range and turn into a wild little tree. But when I say cut back hard, I mean like hard, like down to a few stumps and the new stems that come out of that are going to have even like bigger and better leaves. So you will be rewarded for your brutality, but like you got to go back hard on those. I was, I was, I was reading about that with hibiscus as well. Hibiscus likes a good trim at the end of the season yeah no um they we have a lot of hibiscus in park la brea and yeah they they really like hack them back to almost nothing multiple times a year but then they come back and they're just like huge and they flower all over the place yeah so some plants some plants like a little bit of roughness uh so you know and it's like and it's like well if you're not putting your energy into the deadness yeah yeah, so it's good. It's good for them. It's like you're like it is. I'm cutting off all their. They only have three leaves. How, how are they going to live? <laughs> it's like they'll live better. Sometimes <laughs> we all have to do some pruning in our lives. Um, <laughs> but if you do want to grow elder at home, um, it's best to source young plants. Uh, you can start them from like cuttings, but it does. I feel like with trees in general, sometimes that's a little bit more difficult. So I would just say like source some young plants and plant them in the fall. And it's also one that I've seen in a few places. They suggest like adding the mycorrhizal fungi um, when you plant to encourage root stuff. And like that fungi is amazing for a lot of different types of plants. So I would recommend checking out Espoma's plant tone, which I actually do use for my outdoor gardening and for some of my indoor plants. And they even have a version of the plant tone for edibles, but it has that mycorrhizal fungi. And that stuff is just like the bee's knees for your plants. Their roots are going to be so healthy and so happy. Um, So I've already hinted at it, but there are a ton of health benefits associated with like the berries and the flowers of the plant. And the history of using this plant for its health benefits dates back as far as 400 BC, and Hippocrates called the elder tree his quote-unquote medicine chest. And one cup of fresh elderberries has a whopping 10 grams of fiber and 58% of the recommended daily vitamin C. So of course, this is one of the reasons they're like, often recommended as a way to sort of like combat cold and flu. Like, you know, we love vitamin C for that purpose in the West. And there's, there's actually some research to back that up that um, some clinical research does suggest that elderberry extract could be effective at reducing the length and symptoms of the common cold and flu by as many as four days. And if you've ever had the flu, uh, you know that four days can be a long ass time when you're that sick. Uh, And research also suggests that high quality elderberry extracts might help reduce flu-like symptoms when taken within 48 hours of the first sign of the flu, which is important there for a lot of like herbal remedies like this when they're for things like viruses you have to take them early. So I would say this is a great thing to have on hand during cold and flu season. And I actually do keep extract on hand in my medicine cabinet. Um, but again, just like a shout out, get your flu shot. It's it's important and it's helpful. Uh, and elderberry tea can help reduce chronic constipation, which is, uh, it works like really well in combination also with other like carminative herbs. Like you could make a good tea with some elderberry, um, flowers, anise, and slippery elm bark. 
that would be really great for that those type of digestive issues. So sh- shout out to all the Virgos out there with your digestive <laughs> right. problems. All of us whose digestive systems are in a constant battle. Um, I do feel like, though, it's super important to note here, because I know we have some listeners with kids, um, a ton of like elderberry syrup products on the market do list dosages for children, but there's a limited research regarding safety in kids. So please talk to your pediatrician if you have like specific questions about giving elderberry to your kiddos. There is an ongoing research project assessing the safety and effectiveness of elderberry extract in kids like five years and older with the flu. So we might know more on that front soon. But I just wanted to like make a note of that because like even at Target, I've seen stuff that's like elderberry for kids. So just like just talk to your pediatrician first. Like there are very specific things for kids. Very medicinal taste too. So it's like if you were going to give it to your kids, you might put it in something else. Yeah, depending on depending on their taste, but mostly just yeah, right, I just right. wanted to to flag like talking to your pediatrician because it's just it's kind of irresponsible, and that's one of the problems with herbal products not being um like they're able to list stuff that's not necessarily always like research backed because there was this big like contest. I mean, at least in the U.S. between like the FDA and herbal products, and for a while they couldn't even list their uses. Now they can, but you know, because which is crazy because it's like you need to know what you're supposed to be using it for. You do, but the other problem with that is because it's still like a pretty wildly unregulated market and product creation. Sometimes you end up with things like people making elderberry syrup extracts for children, even though there's pretty limited research into the safety of that. Um, so just, you know, if you want to use herbal remedies, this is again, kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's like taking chamomile uh, extract or whatever as like, a, like, a, I used to get those like herbal sleeping pills. And I was like, that doesn't do anything. Yes. And I, that's just like my personal experience where I'm like, whatever amount of chamomile you've put in here is not like, well, and, I'm, and for most like, herbal like remedies really it's about like taking it for an extended period of time like they're not um they're they're really not like one shot treatments that's not what most herbal things are designed for elderberry is a little different in that if you have like the syrup it does just have like a really high concentration of vitamin c but like the antioxidant and the other anti-inflammatory properties in it you're not really going to appreciate those unless you regularly you incorporate like, take it. it all the time yeah yeah, yeah. so oh, no, anyway. i was just saying i was just saying with like the chamomile you know it's like you take those little sleeping pills every night and it's like this is valerian this is a valerian supplement you're wasting the chamomile. Yeah, it's like you need to it, like just drink some chamomile, chamomile tea. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I just I just have seen it a lot, and it's always something that like sort of like makes my spidey senses tingle because kids do just have like very different medical needs than adults, um, and I know that parents obviously know that. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so. There is like a super important final note here too, though. If you're growing this at home, eating raw elderberries can cause nausea and vomiting. So um, these are things that really need to be cooked before you eat them. And then the leaves, the stems, and the roots are also like they shouldn't be eaten because they are they're essentially poisonous. So just don't. But on to the magic. So elder is a feminine plant associated with the planet Venus, the element water, and the deities Holda and, of course, Venus. 
Uh, I do love that in Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, exorcism is very casually listed as one of like the magical powers, like along with protection, healing, prosperity, sleep, exorcism. Um, <laughs> elder was uh, used in burial rites in ancient British long barrows, and it's also sacred to a lot of mother goddess figures because of its beautiful white flowers. And it was also said that witches and spirits lived within the elder, which is why it quote unquote bled red sap when you cut it, which like super metal. And also there's that, uh, the tree with the many faces or whatever that the, uh, the Starks used to worship in the North in (laughs) Game of Thrones. And after reading that, I was like, I wonder if the elder lore is part of what informed that. I don't know. I haven't read the book in a long time, but So it's, you can wear it uh, like an elder twig as sort of a protective amulet. Like if you wanted to make some cute little like found jewelry or even just like keep a little twig piece in your pocket. And in the same vein, you can like hang it over your door or your windows to keep evil out of your home. Uh, And I think this is also a great like protective ally if you just plant it near the home. Um, That's a lot of how I work with like plant powers, you know, a lot of times I just like to keep the plant living instead of taking cuttings. So you do you. Um, It's also alleged, though, that having elder near your home will help protect it from lightning. So um, that's not a Wands and Fronds guarantee, but like it's a nice side effect if that happens to be true. (laughs) You know, when you were talking about uh, hanging uh, an elder branch sort of above your doors or windows for protection... Uh, decorating for midsummer. One thing I didn't actually leave out was that God's eyes, which the, we we used to make those for for Christmas, where it's like the um sort of diamond made of popsicle sticks that you weave the 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 pattern onto. Yeah, yeah. Um, are a traditional midsummer decoration, especially in Northern Europe. So. I'm I'm thinking like you could probably make a god's eye out of elder sticks. Oh yeah, I love that. Instead of popsicle sticks. That's such a great idea. That's a really hot great tip. idea. It's a hot tip for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also wanted to add, I mean, I know June is kind of like wedding season, but um elders association with prosperity, I think, makes it a great addition to a witchy wedding. So you could think about like sprinkling the white flowers along the aisle or including them in like that mix that you toss at the couple as they exit, Um, or even just including some of like the flowers and branches in, you know, whatever sort of altar decoration you have. And if you have difficulty sleeping, you can place some of the flowers beneath your pillow in a sachet to help you like sleep well. You know, this would be something good to include with like other herbs that maybe encourage psychic dreaming for like a great all-purpose sort of magical sleep sachet. I love that we're all about the sleep sachet. Like, Wands we and Fronds really needs <laughs> to come out with, like, like a branded sleep sachet. I it's feel like, really, it's yeah. like, I love simple spells. Yeah. And I'm like, and I love sleeping. <laughs> I love sleeping as well. Um, I do love that. We're we're very sleep sachet positive here. I, it's like, it's like, every third episode is like and you know this herb would be good in a sleep sachet (laughs) i know right if we ever start a patreon that'll have to be one of our like tier rewards let us know y'all um 
I, I do just want to say the suggestion I actually read, though, was to put the berries under your pillow, but I'm executive deciding like a big no on berries under so, my pillow. So yeah, well, I mean, we have cats. Yeah. But also, I'm just like, God forbid one of those pops and stains your sheet. It's going to look like you bled out a little bit in the night. Yeah. And that would just, ugh, so stressful. Well, I'm just um, like, I'm just like, <laughs> if they're toxic when they're not cooked. And- right. Oh, yeah. There's a potential. I mean, I move around a lot in my sleep. If I knock one of those things onto the floor, Faye is going to treat it like a cat toy. Yeah. And I will sue the Elder Corporation if one (laughs) of their berries poisons my baby. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm saying put it in a sleep sachet and use the flowers. Um, And if you're looking to make like a wand for use in ritual magic, I think Elder is an excellent choice. But I did want to point out that it's actually considered dangerous in like some cultures to burn the wood. Um, So from one of the things I read, like the Romani believe that it's um, it's considered like bad luck and dangerous to burn Elder. So just like something to keep in mind, like if you're perhaps an American witch, do some research into your lineage and see what their thoughts are on Elder. Um, And finally, you can also just use these to like bless your home or even your altar on like a much smaller, like much smaller scale, you know, like place a few flowers, three perhaps at each of the four corners and then like call upon any deities you work with to complete, you know, your sort of like blessing ritual. But I think they'd be something great to put at the corners, maybe with like candles or whatever else you use when you're when you're doing ritual work. So I used a, a few sources today, including gardenersworld.com, which always makes me feel like an 80-year-old woman, and I'm living for it, uh, webmd.com, eatingwell.com, and of course, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. And some of this are, are Shannon original suggestions. So, Speaking of which, I, I just before we move on, I did, I was thinking during this whole time, I'm like, elderflower liqueur is so good and so we kind of talked about like drinking mead for midsummer and really like if you're not drinking mead and you have the opportunity to try some elderflower liqueur elderflower liqueur is so good it's slightly medicinal but like in a very delightful way so all of my people who have worked at bars and are like into fernet will will understand but it's like Get you some, get you some elderflower liqueur. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Well, and if you're, if you're a non-drinker, I've seen a few like elderflower sparkling water flavors. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I don't drink, but I always love getting sparkling waters. Cause then it makes me feel like I still have a grown up bevy, even though I'm not drinking alcohol. So. Cause a kid wouldn't drink a sparkling water. Exactly. That's an adult beverage. I'm a grown ass woman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No, but I'm like, I'm like. I keep jumping in here. I swear. I I had all of these. I had like 20 tabs open just trying to write about Lithid Midsummer. So I'm like, forgot to put that in. (laughs) No, no, I get it. There's there's so much to cover on these um, Sabbaths. So and for that, on that note, y'all, I think we might end up doing the Sabbaths for another year because we have so much other stuff we can talk about. Um, But anyway. I also think there's really cool like sabbat origin stories that need to be gone over just with like the people yeah like the the actual human people who were like advocating for these things when they were like trying to figure out how to bring paganism back in like 
the late 1800s and early 1900s. Right. Because <laughs> that's fascinating, too. I mean, no, like, it is. Yeah. Like, this is some shit. I will go out into the woods. I will pick flowers all day and I will celebrate the Sabbath. But it's there's people behind all of this and they they're interesting people, too. So if that's something y'all are interested in, please let us know. Because I've been wanting to do history stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. We always love hearing from you guys and what you're interested in. Um, So since we are doing a Litha episode, I did want to cover one of the most powerful and revered Irish goddesses, Anya. Uh, And Anya, the Celtic goddess of summer and wealth, represents the sun, love, and fertility with the power to ensure plentiful crops and harvest. So like big Litha energy now. I, I would say that that sounds like this should be her holiday. <laughs> right. It is It is a big holiday for her. Midsummer is like <laughs> her thing. Um, she is associated with both the sun and the moon, midsummer. Uh, and her name actually means like brightness or luster, which I think is um, is really beautiful, especially when you think about all of the all of the sun associations we have with the holiday. Um, so Anya is the daughter of Mananon MacLear, um, and we discussed his wife, Fan, in an earlier episode. And Anya is also, like Fan, described as a fairy queen. She's also sometimes called a lady of the lake, which I didn't realize, but that is my life goal, to become a lady of the lake. Um, and she's sometimes even referred to as the light side of the Morrigan, which I think is interesting. Oh, she's like Glinda the Good Witch. Kind of, yeah. To the Morrigans, like, Wicked Witch of the West. Right. Um, (laughs) Definitely. I I think one of the nicest parts of her lore is that um, she's also said to be the goddess who taught humans the meaning of love, which, super sweet. And she took, like, a bunch of human men as lovers and gave birth to many fairy human kiddos. And, you know, I think as a love goddess, you'd expect all sorts of, like, lovely myths about her, right? But that's not the case here. Um, There are a lot of stories about her that involve her being, like, raped and murdered and facing a ton of hardship. But that's something that actually, like, ties her even closer to the women who lived in, like, the Celtic world of the time. Because women then, like, also had to, like, fight to protect their homes and, like, fight for their land. And so, unfortunately, like it was pretty common for women of that time to face a lot of those like same cruelties that we see in the stories about Anya. So in that way, you know, Anya was really someone who brought hope to those women. And of course was a great reminder of the joys of summer, which are really like beautiful, lovely times all around. And one of the most iconic stories I think about Anya sort of in this vein is the legend of her encounter with Ailil, the King of Munster. And according to the story, he he raped Anya, and in retribution, she went like full Mike Tyson and bit his goddamn ear off. And old Irish law said that kings needed to have perfect appearance and a complete body. So she took his leadership position, like along with his fucking ear, which is girl power. Um, and of course, in the story, he fucking stabbed her to death after all of that. But she she remained immortal in Irish mythology. And this really is like such a badass story because this portrays her like very strongly like as a goddess of sovereignty which we know from other mythologies and deity stories like that's not often the case like we literally just covered persephone (laughs) right 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 which is uh very much a a case where she she did not have 
bodily autonomy. Yeah, at all. Um, there's also a great legend about Anya that's apparently like still pretty well known um, that she took the appearance of like a beggar woman and she went to a local poor family who were like incredibly kind to her and took her in. And then when she left, a, a new sheep appeared in their field. And as long as they kept the sheep, they had like prosperity and luck and all of their ventures. But then when they sold the sheep, the original poverty returned. So the thing that I like about this, like in comparison is that like as a goddess, Anya granted power to good people and took it away from bad ones. So I'm here for us getting like an Anya Renaissance going. Um, she's also part of a triple goddess grouping along with her sisters, Fennel and Grania. And in this arrangement, she's, you know, like the mother aspect and tradition says that during the full moon, the three sisters ride their horses and play in the locker, um, which is a lake dedicated to Anya in County Limerick. So that's locker, um, G-U-R, if you're wanting to look into that. Um, and now, of course, there is like sort of a big resurrection of goddess worship, which we are here for. And Anya is starting to get sort of a bit more popular, I think, overall, um, along with like Bridget in, in uh, the Morrigan when we're thinking about like Celtic goddesses. So I say we get on that because we definitely like need her energy in the world right now in a big, big way. So if you want to work with her, I wanted to share some associations. So we've already noted, of course, she's associated with the sun and the moon. But she's also associated with, like, the element air, the direction southwest, the colors red, gold, green, blue, and tan, um, quartz, bloodstone, sunstone, and moonstone, garnet, pearl, gold, and silver, um, oak, hawthorn, and meadowsweet. So if you have any of these things or anything representing these, you know, of course you can put them on your altar to sort of honor her. And her hill, which is um, knock on ya, or... Nakani, which is the anglicized version of that. Um, Nakanya is actually like the Irish version of it. I'm sure my pronunciation isn't 100%, but I do want to try when we're talking about like Celtic deities and Irish deities specifically to like refer to things by their original Irish when I can. Um, just because like colonization isn't a US specific issue and Nakani is not not the old Irish version. Um, anyway, so something you could think about though here is like at uh, Knock Anya, they host they hosted like torchlit processions on Midsummer in her honor to bring blessings into the fields. So you could think about maybe lighting a candle and putting it in a southwest area of your home or on your altar on Litha to draw in prosperity. Candles are also a great representation of the sun. So you can sort of like get all that fire in there. Um, especially if you're like in an apartment though, or somewhere with limited outdoor space. Cause I did read a great suggestion to light bundles of herbs and carry them around your home or your property three times, sort of as like a smaller version of the torch procession that they host at knock on Um, but it's like obviously a step up from a candle, but I, I wanted to throw the candle suggestion out there too. Cause I know a lot of people live in apartments or like places with limited outdoor space. So, you know, do what you can. Uh, I've also seen some people like Morgan Daumler, um, who's the woman who wrote that fairy book that I talk about a lot. Um, I've seen lots of people bake cakes uh, in Anya's honor for Litha. 
Uh, milk and baked goods sort of across the board are generally appreciated by deities from all parts of the world and the fair folk and me. You can always please me with baked goods. Um, and if you are going to do this, though, like making a cake in honor of or wanting to leave an offering, like it's really important to cut the slice that you're using as an offering and to not eat it. Like same thing if you're leaving offerings out for the fae, just a reminder, uh, don't eat it. Like that's. Yeah, yeah, it's like don't leave something out for the fae and then eat it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because of uh, Anya's association, though, with the fair folk, you can also, like, on that note, make offerings and work with the fae as a way to also honor the goddess herself. This um, doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a formal formal ritual, uh, but it can be part of, like, your ongoing spiritual practice that also happens to honor Anya. Kind of like how taking care of your garden and your outdoor space and plants is, like, a way to honor the fair folk in a non-ritual way. Honoring the fair folk can be a non-ritual way for you to also continue to honor Anya in your day-to-day practice. And I think given her ties to sovereignty, uh, Anya is a really natural goddess for works related to social justice, which is something we all should be really thinking about right now. And all in all, there are basically about a million ways to honor her. But I, I mostly just like really think we should add her to our list of badass goddesses that we work with because... Her powers are just the stuff she does, like the powers of sovereignty and like taking back your autonomy and like taking power away from bad people. Those are all things that we need much more of right now. So I used a few sources for this, um, Ireland-information.com, ancientorigins.net, uh, greenmanmeadows.com, patheos.com, and the Mythical Ireland YouTube channel, which... Again, I cannot recommend enough. It was started last March when like the uh, coronavirus lockdown started in Ireland. And this guy whose name is escaping me at the moment um, goes through a lot of different tales from like Irish mythology and then ultimately ended up expanding into like Celtic mythology uh, at large. So there's so many really fascinating things to learn there. And it's and it's an Irishman reading it. So, um, you know, if you don't speak Irish, it also helps to get good pronunciations. Hmm. And we love that. So we are so close here to the bitter end. We've done what we can for this week, you guys. Uh, but no, so we, we do have our Terrascope, which, okay. Oh my God. I like need to take a breath before this one. So we have f- for my lovely sister sign, Libra. Okay, this is for the Libras out there. Uh, and I know a lot of Libras, so this this is going to get kind of personal. And I don't... This is probably, like, the most personal taroscope that I have done. All right? Because the Libras I know right now are a fucking wreck. So uh, this is somewhat of an extra- extrapolation of that. Um... So, uh, so for all of my Libras out there, this week finds you dealing with the reverse three of coins, which, again, given that I know you, well, I know Libras, uh, definitely makes sense in context. So the kind of energy here is like you're the smart kid in a group project and you feel burdened to do everything yourself. 
which doesn't seem fair, right? But you have to ask yourself, am I burdened with doing everything or am I just burdened with being in charge and I'm being too passive aggressive to start delegating tasks? Huh? Libras? So you cannot live in this martyr mentality forever. And there's definitely a reckoning to be had. Either you're going to do everything yourself or you're going to tell people what to do, but everyone knows how capable you are, which is why they don't feel bad for you. They don't, you're, you're not a martyr. Uh, you could do it alone, but you have the opportunity to do whatever is going on in your life with other people. And if you choose not to do that, I don't, it's not, it's sort of not saying that you're going to fail at it. You'll probably have a better result if you actually work with other people, but you, you, you simply cannot carry on being this difficult to work with. Uh, so either actually go it alone or actually lead, but your, your penchant for balancing acts is not so fruitful here. Yeah, it it brings to mind for me that it's dangerous to go alone. Take this quote from The Legend of Zelda, like the old Nintendo version right, of it. Right, right, right. It feels like that's that's kind of part of the message here. And, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's like you're either going to finish this yourself or you're going to finish it with other people, but you're not going to like get off only doing half yourself. You're either going to do it all alone or you're actually going to have to work with other people. And uh, again, love y'all so much. You are my sister sign. So I actually get to be a, a bit rough here, but you need to fucking hear it. Yeah. So big yikes to y'all. That's a spicy, a spicy taroscope. Yeah, no, literally, and I woke up early in this morning, and then this is what I had to tell you. Like, I wish I had good news, you know? I Over my morning coffee, like, I wish I was giving you good news. Yeah. But uh, the news I have to give you is fucking cut it out. Yeah, tarot doesn't pull punches, so. <laughs> so Sorry. Uh, well, but... That was this was a fun episode, y'all. Like I always love our Sabbath episodes, and and it got me thinking today. Like if if y'all have things that you would also like to hear me and Nick talk about, like topics, let us know. You can always email us at wandsandfronspod at gmail or you can message us on Instagram at wandsandfronspod. But yeah, we'd we'd love to hear from you guys if you have like feedback, if you have lewd remarks for Nick, but especially if y'all have ideas for topics. I'd just be really curious to hear if there's anything that y'all would like us to cover. Yeah, I mean, because it's like we have sort of our blueprint of like what the podcast is, but like you guys fucking listen to it. I mean, if there's something you want to hear... <laughs> Yeah, we we make this for you because, again, if we weren't making it for you guys, Nick and I would just be hanging out and talking. Yeah, we would just be on the phone. Yeah, which is fun. no one would get to hear it. But we want this to be for you. (laughs) Uh, But no, so you guys, absolutely download the episode. Give us a rating. I would love to, like, chart again. Like, that really was so spicy. I know to like yeah. to like be on a chart. So shout out to Norway again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, shout out to Norway again. Um, like maybe Midsummer will bring you guys back into the fold, and we'll do it one more time. But 
I, you know, I just, I would love to be on a chart. It is fun. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice, Shannon? You know, I don't have a bag of rubies. I don't have an invitation to Atlantis. No one's made a lewd remark. But we could, we have charted, so we could chart again. <laughs> we could chart again. Well, I think until next time, when hopefully we'll be able to tell you we're on a chart again. Uh, <laughs> what do we say to all of our midsummer witches, bitches out there, Nicholas? Well, uh, you know, let the barn burn down. Your boyfriend is going to be fine. He's a piece of shit. But also, <laughs> blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Watch it burn. Goodbye. Mm. Bye now. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it.